Okay, Shalom Ubracha, and uh, welcome back after a long, long Hafsaka, Bezat Hashem. We are going to be continuing with where we left off in Likutei Moran, Lesson 24, Paragraph 7. We're holding at a point where Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman, will be going into something very, very deep, very profound. The, he's going to begin to, I don't know, to say the word dissect, but to begin to open up the concept of the Keter. This concept in the Kabbalah is so deep, even the Tikkuni Zohar or the Zohar, and of course everywhere else, if it's the Arizal, when they begin to touch on this topic, they say it's very, very hidden, very, very concealed, very, you know, vague. And the commentaries say that for this reason, that many Kabbalists, they refrain from expounding on these sections of the Zohar, which talk about the concept of the Keter. However, Rabbi Nachman, Rabbeinu, seeing the profound impact that the Keter has on our daily life, in this lesson, he opens us up to the practical accessibility of the Keter, and why it's so needed. To get into this, we're going to have to just quickly go through a bit of, a bit of just a recap of what we read until now, and we're going to go over it again, but this time very fast, because we went over the idea so many times, and we have to advance in this lesson, even though you can spend 100 years on every single phrase in this lesson, but we have to go on Bezrat Hashem. And a reminder, if these classes really connect to you, I'm asking to all my personal friends who are watching, please share this class on your status or wherever else, and please tell other people to share this class also, so we can get the word out to combat the crazy evil in the world that's just trying to swallow anything normal, anything humane up. Fine. So we're going to continue. I'm just going to read quickly to go through the ideals mentioned until now, and then we're going to get into where we want to get into, Bezat Hashem. So, just in summary, up to paragraph 7, Rabbi Nachman talks about the power of being besimcha and what doing mitzvot besimcha can bring you to. Basically, doing mitzvah with joy can bring you to the highest level. And you might say, why do I need that? You know, let me just get through life. The answer is, the solutions for the challenges that you're going in through life, the opening for them is simcha. Because simcha is a gateway to the keter. And the keter is like someone who looks at a maze from on top. When you look at a maze from on top, okay, make a right here, make a left here, go straight. You can see clearly what direction to take in life. That's when you have a, a high view of a maze. When you're in the maze, you can't see any that much. You don't know if there's a dead end. If I'm going straight, I'm going go to I'm gonna hit a dead end. If I made a wrong turn, you don't know because you're inside the maze. But with the keter approach, you see everything from above. And that's what Simcha of the Mitzvah affords a person, that Hashem opens up this light, light of clarity, it's called the infinite light, shining into a person, so when he's going through his challenges and struggles, and he feels futile, and he feels just hopeless, and he feels down, he feels he wants to be sad and depressed again, chas shalom, right? So the, the Mitzvah, the Simcha of the Mitzvah, brings you to this Keter, which opens up the doors, okay? But it's a process, and Rabbi Nachman, in this lesson, opens up the process. Okay, he said, just to summarize quickly, by doing a mitzvah with joy, 
you, you cause that the, the mitzvah has like molecule momentum. It starts moving, it has movement and motion and gets the whole creation shaking and moving. Yes, your little mitzvah, when done besimcha, can get the whole world to wake up. Yes, okay. When that happens, the, the, the fact that the world now is looking to come back to Hashem, this brings down bracha, blessing. However, you have to be wise and choose the right type of blessing. The right type of blessing being the blessing of intellect. In other words, to use the blessing activated by your mitzvah b'simcha to channel understanding of Hashem, to, this, the wisdom to come closer to Hashem, to understand what Hashem wants you to understand of Him. Okay? However, when you do that, it's tricky. Because when Hashem opens a person's mind up to the Torah, it becomes very easy to get sucked into intellectual pursuit and forget about emuna. And why do you need emuna? Emuna is always there to remind you there's much more beyond what you see. And when you learn Torah and you try to internalize intellectually Hashem and His whole existence and everything intellectually without emuna, you're in danger. Emuna is always there to show that there's much more, much more out there. When you have the merit of learning Torah like that, when you have the merit of having your intellect refined to perceiving Hashem with the combination of emuna, this leads to the activation of the Keter. The Keter is a super duper blessing, the greatest blessing a person can have in this world. What is that? It's called Yishuv Hadat. Having a clear and calm and settled mind. This is the greatest blessing. Because when you have absolute clarity in life, you see everything clear. The reason why we're so upside down in life, because there's non-stop static noise, mental noise, emotional noise, physical noise, spiritual noise, all types of noise. You know, even the, the Gemara says, we don't hear it. But when the sun is crossing across the, the sky, it's like the Gemara says that the sun is cutting through the rakia. The sun, the sun is cutting through the firmament, the sky. And it's a loud noise, but we don't hear it. But it's loud. The, the, the Gemara says we do hear it, but you don't pay, it's, it's because it's constant. So it, doesn't, it makes it like, sound like you don't hear anything. Like when you have, for example, when you go to sleep with the fridge motor running, you, and it's just constant, so you can sleep with it because it's, it's, a, it's a constant noise that you got used to. But when there's a noise like, that's what wakes you up. So the sun cutting through the, sun, the sky, it's super loud, but it's constant. So because it's constant, you don't, you don't pick it up. But it's there, showing us that we have noises that we don't hear, even spiritual noises, mental, whatever, that they cause us not to have a calm mind. When a Jew has, a person has a calm mind, settled mind, he sees right through this whole creation. He can see right through the universe and see God, see Hashem clearly face to face. The problem is we don't have a settled mind. Okay? So he's saying when a Jew, thanks to his simcha, comes to this level of the blessing activated and the blessing leads to intellect because he chooses a blessing of intellect and then he joins out of emuna, so he merits to a higher level of bracha which is the bracha called the keter, which is a settling of the mind. Now that's not this we're holding right now. Let's go quickly through this paragraph. We've gone through it so many times. So let's go just through it to get to the new point. And in the inner essence of the blessings activated, 
that we mentioned, Shudakuta Bicham, which is called the refined blessing, refined aspect of the blessings. Nidbarech Mehem HaMesadev HaMayashev HaTasechem. From this refined blessing becomes blessed also a new thing, a new level in the person's consciousness called the settling, sorry, the organizing and the settling of the mind. And this is called Shehi Bechinat Keter, that it, because it's one package thing. Settling and, and, and structuring the mind are two parts of one component. In other words, one item. We want the mind to become settled, but for that to be settled, it requires all to be, also to be structured and organized and in order to be settled. So it's one thing. Together, it's called the Keter. Okay? In a sense, if you want to say, this is a new point, just the Keter is called the crown. A crown covers the entire head. The head, at least the upper part of the brain, the head, which contains the upper part of the brain, has two parts, the right side of the brain and the left side. And it could be that one side, if it's Chokhmar Bina, activates the Mesader, the settling of the mind, sorry, the organizing of the mind, and the Bina is what activates the Meyashev, the settling of the mind. That's why you need both. Together, they work together, and here also he calls them as a, a combination, Mesader Meshev, and he says it's a one one unit. It's called in singular Shehi. It in singular is the idea of the Keter, because the Keter includes these two, uh, two these two points, Bechinat. And now we said this many times. This is the, the idea that one needs to bless the Keter, the settling of the mind. It needs a bracha in it to be settled is mentioned by Yitzhak Avinu, we said this many times, if you recall, where Hashem told Yitzhak, when Yitzhak was about, there was a famine in Israel, and he thought, maybe I should go to Egypt, like Avram Avinu went to Egypt, Hashem told Yitzhak, no, you're not leaving, stay here in the Holy Land, I will be with you, and I'll bless you. So, is, is, is Hashem saying to Yitzhak, I will be, but in the Kabbalah, also is a reference to this sphera, this level called the Keter. Because Keter is a preparation to become. Like Rabbi Nachman quotes in another lesson, in Likuti Muran, Lesson 7, Ana Zamin The name Eke, it's a holy name, a holy energy level of Hashem, which is revealed in the world, is a, is a level of preparation. <laughs> How do you experience it? You got to wait. You're in the waiting room, okay? So Ehyeh, the Zohar says, Ehyeh is very, is, is grammatically similar to an Aramaic exp, exp, expression from the Zohar, Ana Zamin Lemeheve. So Ehyeh, Ekeh, is like the Aleph, Ana, I, and prepared to Zamin Lemeheve, to become. I'm not yet anything, but I'm planning to become. And this is very fundamental to connect to the Keter, as we will see. So going back to Yitzchak, Hashem was telling Yitzchak Avinu, Ekeh imecha, you Yitzchak have mastered now Ekeh, and I will bless it, Avarecheka, I will come now to give a bracha in it, therefore your job is to stay in Eretz Yisrael, to be fermented here with the test of the famine, don't leave Israel, stay here, and here you will experience the highest level. You don't have to leave the Holy Land to experience this light of the Keter or have it blessed. You will have it blessed by being here, which is what he actually did. We went into this many, many times. Let's continue. And Keter, who Lashon Hamtana, now Rabbi Nachman adds another perspective. He said first, Keter is settling and organizing the mind, or really 
organizing, settling. That's the order he uses it. Misader, miyashev. But also it means to wait. And waiting, believe it or not, is a higher blessing than pursuit. Because when you're pursuing, you're still incomplete and you're trying to run to absorb and advance and advance and advance. When you're in waiting mode, it could be waiting mode in that you've already accomplished. So for the next level, you're waiting and you can wait. Okay? And that has endless levels to it. In between each level, there's a waiting. If you master the waiting, that has everything. That itself is the greatest gift. Hashem will send you all the blessings if you have the mastery of knowing how to put on the brakes and to be cool. Most people in life don't know how to do that. When they're on the run, they're on the run. Okay, I got to work. I got to pick up the kids. I got to do this. People are always running and running. And it's hard to be calm then, right? But you feel the day can't go by without me running because there's so much to do. I have to meet my, my, my priorities and meet all the, all the obligations of the day. So we're always in running mode. A higher level is teaching us and preparation to reach higher levels is you have to know how to have hamtana and it's not easy. In fact, this is one of the biggest tests of life of knowing how to wait. It's a killer. You wait and wait. When Hashem? When already? When am I going to come to the Holy Land? When is the conversion process going to be finished? When am I going to finally see results in my kids? When is my wife going to come back to be normal? When this? When am I going to lose weight? <laughs> Person is always... When, when, and he has to learn how to wait and patience. And you begin to say, Hashem, patience. You know, I've only maybe 120 years here and I'm already 50, 60, 70 years old. If not now, when? Like Yaakov told Lavan, give me my wife already, my wives. If not now, when? Because that's when he was over 80 when he got married, Yaakov, Yaakov to Rachel. And he's saying, if not now, when? Right? Even Rashi says that. And that's a test of life. But he's saying, Keter is Lashon Hamtana. Going back, it means to wait. His proof that Keter means to wait, like a verse says in the book of Eov, we went through this many times, you can hear the previous classes if you like, Katar Lizeer, Elihu ben Brachel told Eov, Eov was complaining that Hashem was wicked to him, Hashem was doing uh, injustice to him by punishing him, by losing his money and having his leprosy on his body. So Elihu was trying to calm him down and he said to him, he, after arguing with him, trying to prove to Eov that God is just, he then in his third set of arguments, he said, Katar li wait for me a little and I will answer you. So Rabbi Nachman points out, this is not in Hebrew, it's in Aramaic. Qatar is not in Hebrew, it's in Aramaic. Wait for me, Ze'er is in Aramaic also, a little. So the word in Aramaic for wait, Elio told Eov, wait for me a little to compose my mind and I'll give you even more answers, right? So the word he uses, Qatar, and Rabbi Nachman points out, it's the same letters as Keter. And there's always a rule in Torah, in Hebrew, in the Holy Tongue, that words that have similar letters, even though they can mean different meanings, but the fact that the Torah uses the same letters for them shows there is some type of a connection. So here Rabbi Nachman points out, Keter means crown, and Katar means to wait. So one plus one is two. The crown, the idea of the crown in the Kabbalah, which is this high level, this high, high, high level, which we didn't even yet begin to get into, is accessible through waiting. That's why he says, Keter, hamtana. It's from the language, it's grammatically similar to the concept of waiting, like the verse says in Eov, Katar Lizeer. And he gives this rule, Rabbi Nachman gives this rule. Key. When a person is asked, when people ask a man, a person, 
a, a question requiring intellectual analysis to answer properly, Omer, what does he say? Give me a second to compose my mind to give you a good answer. Hamten ad she'et yashev. Give me a moment until I settle my mind. And with this, Rabbi Nachman connecting this to the idea that he said earlier, that the Keter is the Mesader and Meyashev. It's the organ- organizing and the settling of the mind. Because he says, when you ask, the person's asked a very deep question that requires thought, he says, give me a moment. And it shows you that, that don't think it's such a ma'ala, it's such a ma'ala, it's such an advantage that a person answers quick. You have these guys, they know the answer on the spot, Okay. You think, wow, he's so smart, he can answer so quickly. It's true, okay. But the higher level, he's saying, is we, if you, to give the right, right answer, I need hamten. I need time span for my mind to wait, settle itself, and then give you an answer. And with this, he's showing that the Yishuvadat, that he said earlier, the blessing of the Keter, which is having the mind structured and settled, requires waiting it's a waiting process. That's why the name is Eke, I will be, because I'm waiting to become. That's why it's associated with waiting, because it's in future tense. I will. Right now, I'm not there yet. I will be there soon. So that's the idea of waiting, okay? We, with all this, we went into all the classes before. Now the new point. Vigam sham tzarich emuna. And even when a, a person has the merit to reach this level of the Keter, of the waiting, of the settling of the mind, he says, and even there, you would think you're already there. So you don't require emuna. But he says, even at this level, and by the way, it may sound like a very high level for the great tzaddikim, which is true. This is really, Rabbi Nachman is explaining us how the perceptions of tzaddikim work. The tzaddikim, this is how they perceive God. They perceive God through always connecting to the Keter, having a blast of the infinite light, which we're going to go into soon, hopefully. And then they, when they come back, they give us of their visions. That's the Torah insights revealed by Tzadikim, coming from a different plane, a different ball game. It's because of this process that they're reaching. However, this applies even to every simple Jew. Every simple person goes through this. He doesn't know that he's going through it, but he does go through this. And he can go through this is that when you're on a roll, then we're going to see this concept of being pushed back in order to cause the waiting process. The person doesn't want to wait, but heaven is telling the person you have to wait. Why do you have to wait? Because you're not yet meyushav. If you do what you want to do now and you're not ready, you'll melt, you'll blow up, you'll just disintegrate. We need for you, in order to properly receive, to have vessels to receive the upcoming levels waiting for you, you need to be in waiting process to build a strong, settled mind, which will then contain within it the next level of light in your life. The next level of accomplishment of growth requires that you have the hamtana. If you don't have the hamtana, you can crash. We know many stories, unfortunately, in the Bible and in history and in our personal lives of people who didn't want to wait. They couldn't wait and they jumped in when they weren't supposed to jump in. Listen, it's tricky. Nachshon ben Amiradavid, he jumped in. He jumped in because he knew that's the right thing to do and there's no other alternative. Okay? By Nachshon, there's, 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 there's scorpions and snakes to the right, to the left, the Egyptians from behind, the sea in front, and Hashem tells them, you guys have to go in. And people say, how do we go in? 
So there he jumped in because he knew it's the right thing to do. But in life, where there's no pressure, and you feel, no, I have to go do this, I have to do this, and you begin to feel that you have to do the right thing, and you have no patience, how many times we found of people who jumped in and they got burnt, and they regretted it for the rest of their life. That's why patience is the greatest virtue, and it's what will crown you, give you the crown. You want to become king in your life? To have an accomplishment of being what you, who you really are, it's going to require this light of Keter, which means waiting. So now, he introduces this thing. Vegam sham tzarich emuna. And even there, when you see what does it mean? What does it mean even there? <laughs> even there, you need faith. You need emuna. Bivchenat, which is the concept of this very, very, very deep expression. Amon mufla. Amon mufla. Which is open to many interpretations. But let's go step by step. He says, Rabbi Nachman, that even there you require emuna. But he said earlier, to get to this stage, you already needed emuna. In other words, when you joined your intellect with emuna, this is what leads you to this keter. However, once you reach this level, you're going to need a newer level, a higher level of emuna. He says, even there, you need to continue using emuna. What emuna are you going to need here? Here, coming up, he's going to explain much clearer what happens in this stage of the waiting. But basically, what he's saying in the next paragraph is that you get pushed back. Something unexpected happens to you that throws your mind totally off balance. It's like in, inexplainable, inexplainable. It's beyond logic, beyond rationale. You begin to say, what did I do wrong? I thought I was doing the right thing in life. And all of a sudden, I get this slap in the face. I get this patch. I get this pushback. <laughs> What's going on? So he's saying here, you need emuna even here in this experience. Why? Because you can misinterpret the pushback as, as, a, as, as a sign that they don't want me that I'm on the wrong track, I'm making a mistake, this is not for me, Judaism is not for me, Torah is not for me, living a, a life of more closest to Hashem, that's not for me. Look, they're pushing me back, so I might as well go into this world and enjoy the vanities of this world before my, my time is finished there. So what's emuna? Emuna at this point is to believe not what you see. I see myself being pushed back, and I need to believe that this Pushback is really a preparation for the next super duper ascent in my life. And if I take it properly with enough emunah, I will come to it. So he's saying, Gam Sham Tzarich Emunah. So now, this deep concept, he says, he wants to bring a, a proof to this idea that you need emunah when being pushed back by the Keter. Even though I understand the idea, still Rabbi Nachman's way is he always tries to bring a backup proof. And when he does that, his connection is so deep when he brings a proof that then when you see the actual proof itself, every detail of the proof begins to fit in into how Rabbi Nachman's interpreting it. This is something phenomenal about the Likud Moran. That the, the Somech becomes the nismach, or I'm saying it the opposite. I think it's the nismach becomes, so the somech becomes, the nismach becomes the somech. He brings a proof. It's called the raya for his idea. And then it's so clear the connection, now you can switch it. 
the, the idea that he brought a proof from, you can now explain it better through his insight. It switches. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. There's no other book like this in the world, like the Likud Timur. Okay, what is this concept of Amon Mufla? What is Amon Mufla? It's a few things. This word Amon. Amon, the Zohar here, this is a quotation. Amon Mufla appears about four times by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Zohar, in the Tikkun Zohar. Amon Mufla. The Zohar's explanation is based on the Midrashic interpretation of a verse from Mishle. There's a verse in Proverbs, chapter 7, where in this chapter, King Solomon is talking on behalf of the Torah. The Torah says about itself, amon. I was, the Torah is saying about itself, I was by him, by Hashem, Amon, Aleph, Mem, Vav, Nun. So the Midrash is asking, what is the simple meaning of the word Amon? And the Midrash brings five explanations of what it means. Four are similar, and one is totally different. What is this word Amon? And what is the Torah saying? I was by Hashem, I was. Ehyeh is in past tense also. I was, it, can, it means, Ehyeh can be, I, I will be in future. But in, when you put a Vav in the beginning of the word, and it's in a Patach, Va, so then it turns it to past tense. So Va'ehyeh, the Torah saying about itself, and I was by Hashem, Amon. So the Midrash brings four explanations. Number one, the, the, the Midrash says like this. This is the opening of the Midrash Rabbah. The very beginning of Midrash Rabbah starts off with this this, this discourse, this drash, to, because it's an introduction to the depths of the whole Torah itself. That's why in Bereshit, the Midrash Rabbah decides to open up on this verse to show the height, because it goes on, Bereshit, where the Midrash interprets eventually, Bereshit means Bishvil Reshit. On behalf of the Torah, which is called Reshit, did Hashem bara Elokim et Hashemayim For the sake of the Torah, did Hashem create, create the world, okay? So Bereshit, Bishvil Reshit, fine. So, in order to explain this, it opens up with this, it borrows this verse from Proverbs. Amon. I was by Hashem Amon. So the first interpretation, what does Amon mean? The Midrash says Amon, and it uses a word from Greek, Pedagogue. Pedagogue. Pedagogue means the Torah said that before Hashem revealed me at Har Sinai on the 6th of Sivan, I was kept by Hashem and nurtured like a nurse takes care of a baby. Pedagogue means totally pampered, to changing the diaper and everything. So the Torah said about itself, I was being pampered by Hashem. Amon is like a word for a nurse. A nurse, okay? And where do you find in the Torah an example of Amon meaning a nurse? In Moshe Rabbeinu's argument to Hashem, in Parshat Behalotcha, where the Jews are complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu, were sick and fed up with this manna, manna in the morning, manna in the evening, right? No more manna! They want meat. We miss the meat that we had and the fish. So, in the complaint... Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu said, you know, they want to kill me. What do you want, what do you want from me? Right? 
So he says, so, so he said, and if you ask me why I'm complaining, Hashem, if you ask me why am I complaining to you, because you, Hashem, told me to take care and pamper and nurture the Jewish people, ka'asher omen et like a nursing mother carries and pampers and takes care of a baby, yisa ha'omen, omen, alevav memnun, the Midrash says, is similar to this word here in this Pasuk in Proverbs. Thank you for pointing it out. You sure it's in chapter 8? I hope you're, I hope you're correct. Chapter 8, Proverbs. Okay? I hope you're right. I assume you're right. Okay? So the Midrash saying there's a similarity here. So we interpret the verse like this. The Torah said that before there came the time for me to be revealed, I was by Hashem, Amun, being pampered and nurtured and taken care of. And Hashem was taking care of me, building me up and, and nurturing me so I'll be ready for the revelation at Har Sinai on Vav Sivan. That's the first interpretation. Number two, Amun means Mechuse. Amun means Mechuse, covered up. Okay? Covered up, meaning it's the Torah is just... It doesn't, it's not like a big baby who needs also to be changed and fed, but another child who's a bit older, and just you cover him up in a protective blanket to protect him from the elements of nature, of weather, etc. So, so the, the Midrash brings a proof for that from the book of Echa, the book of, uh, of uh, what we read on Tisha B'Av, that in there in chapter 3, that Yirmiyahu is describing the, the death, the sadness that was in the in Yerushalayim, there was the, the, the walls, the, the Yerushalayim was in siege, and there was a famine, and there were people, Jewish people, that were just lying on the ground on the streets of Jerusalem dead. And he depicts it, Jeremiah, by saying, those children, ha'emunim ale tola, those children who were wrapped in crimson, ha'emunim, who were covered up, ale tola, in blankets of crimson, purple color, that's the Midrash's interpretation, they were covered up in a blanket, so that's what the verse means when the Torah says about itself, I wasn't being nurtured in babe like, like I'm totally, uh, totally dependent on my mommy and the nurse. Rather, just covered up, okay? I'm just covered up. Like the verse says, I was covered up until also Vav Sivan, but I'm more mature. I'm at a higher level, okay? Third interpretation, the Midrash says that Amon, Amon means mutsna, something not just covered, but hidden, totally hidden. That's not just covered up. You have to dig and search to find it. So too, the Torah saying about self, that Hashem hid me so well, mutsna, that, that, that no one can find it. Not even the angels who would want to research Hashem, where you're hiding the Torah, they can't find it. So the Torah saying about itself, etzlo Amon. What's the proof that it brings? It brings the proof from Megillat Esther. It says Megillat Esther, after Ahasuerush killed Vashti, and his advisors said, you go find a nice, beautiful woman. So his messengers and guards, and it was an order in all the governments under the land of Ahasuerush, to look for beautiful women, even married women. So when the, when the, the decree came out, the verse says about Esther and Mordechai, Vayi omen et hadasa. Okay? He Esther, and Vayhi, that Mordechai was Omen. It's funny, the Midrash has a beautiful interpretation. What does Omen mean? That Mordechai, when, since Esther was so beautiful, so it says, Vayhi Omen et Hadassah, that Mordechai hid 
he hid Hadassah, he Esther, who's Esther. He hid her so they shouldn't find them. It didn't help. The guards heard rumors that Esther's beautiful, and they went searching and searching and searching until they found her and took her to Hashverosh. Okay? So that's Omen, Alevav Memnun, and Uma Amon in this verse from Proverbs. Fourth explanation from the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is rebuking Tzor, the nation of Tzor, that thought they're so strong that Nebuchadnezzar will not succeed in conquering them. So in, in rebuking the nation of Tzor, I think it's Tzor, it could be Ashur, please forgive me, I think it's Ashur, but it's better. So, so Nehemiah says, rebuking the land of Ashur, Hatevti mino amon. Mino amon. So the Hatevti mino amon. Right. Do you think, Ashur, that you're better, Hatevti tov, are you better than no amon? Who's no? Nun alef amon. So the, the Targum, the Midrash borrows the explanation of the Targum on that verse. No is the original name of Alexandria and Egypt. Alexandria and Egypt at the time of Nebuchadnezzar was like the strongest fortress, the strongest capital and, and fortified city protecting Egypt. It was along the shore. So it had the sea as its wall. And besides that, other walls. And it was considered super strong. And they were, they were, they were praising themselves that Nebuchadnezzar won't succeed in conquering us. And they were wrong. So No Amon, the Targum translates as Alexandria, which is No. Amon, it translates as Rabeta, the Great. <laughs> Not Alexander the Great, but Alexandria, the city in Egypt, the Great. Do you think, Ashur, that you're better and stronger than Alexandria, the great city, which was well fortified, and yet that fell before Nebuchadnezzar? So too, you will also fall. So the Midrash points out that Rabeta, which means great, is it's the, it's the Targum's translation for the word Amon. So fourth explanation of Amon, going back to the verse from Proverbs, right? The Torah saying, before I came to be revealed, I was considered the greatest thing in the creation. I was by Hashem, Amon, so precious, and so that Hashem was only preoccupied by the Torah, before it became revealed at Har Sinai. That's what Hashem was busy with, just being delighted from the greatness and the grandeur of the Torah. Those are four explanations of the Midrash. And the fifth one, the final one, is don't read Amon, but read Uman, a new explanation. Uman translates as a craftsman. The Torah says, this is the famous Rashi that we, everybody knows, that Hashem used the Torah as the blueprint for creation. So the fifth translation is like this. The Torah says about itself that I'm so great, va'eyeh, Etzlo Amun. I was for Hashem, his craftsmanship, what he used, the blueprint for the creation. Hashem used me in creating the world. And the Midrash goes on to explain example. You know, when you get an arch uh, architect to design you a house, he doesn't say, okay, let's put the bricks here. And let's do he maps out, he puts on a, on a the, the, the Midrash says, diftra, on, on skin, on animal skin. He uses parchment 
to design the picture of the building. A king wants a palace, so the architect, he has to first design on parchment, on paper, on a flat, you know, uh, two-dimensional platform, 2D, uh, how it's going to look. Here's going to be the second floor, here's the tower, here's the steps going up to the tower, here's the dungeon, Okay, he maps out and shows, the architect shows the king, whoever, this is the map of the building. So too, in designing the world, Hashem looked in the Torah as the blueprint. And that's what the Torah is saying, amun. So now the Zohar, the Holy Zohar, goes into this term of Amon Mufla and uses both interpretations. Because the first four are one interpretation, just different perspectives pedagogue, covered up, hidden, great, but all say that the Torah was kept on the side until it came time to be revealed. I was being taken care of and, and hidden and on the side. That's the first four explanations. But the fifth explanation of the Midrash is no, Hashem used me in the creation. I'm involved. I'm involved. The Zohar, the Tikkun Zohar, very, very deep, uses both interpretations and says Amun Mufla. Mufla, the Zohar says, the Tikkun Zohar says, refers to this highest, highest, untouched level of the Torah called the Keter. And the Keter is the gateway for the infinite light. This is the gateway and the key for the infinite light. That's why it's inaccessible, it's so high. This level, infinite light means Hashem Himself. The level of the Torah that's called one with Hashem. We believe that all the Torah is one of Hashem. Like we say, the famous statement from the Zohar, Oraita, Yisrael, Vekutsha Brichu, Kol Achad. That's a famous statement. The Torah, Hashem, and the Jewish nation, we're all one. We believe that. We're in the root, we're one. When you see the Torah, it's very distant from Hashem. We believe it's one. But the level of the Torah studied at the level of the Keter, where a person is learning Torah, directly connected to the infinite light, that's clearly one of Hashem. That's super duper far and removed from people. That's why it's called Mufla. Keter, the Zohar calls Mufla, because the word Mufla is like a Pele, something which is wondrous, something which is beyond your grasp, beyond capacity, is called Pele, Mufla. And here, the Zohar uses this term of Amon Mufla to say what? To say that when Hashem, number one, created the world, the initial creation on the first day of creation, Hashem specifically used the accessible, this level called the Keter. Amon Mufla means that Hashem used as the craftsmanship, like the, the fifth explanation of the Midrash, Amon, the, the blueprint for the creation, was which part of the Torah? The part of the Torah called the Pele, the highest, highest level of the Torah, which is the gateway to the infinite light. That's what Hashem used for the initiation of the creation. Okay? And at the same time, watch this. It's two in one. That's the, that's the one explanation of Amon, which is the fifth explanation. But at the same time, what developed from Keter... In the Kabbalah, this is very deep. We can't go into it that much. But you have these terms in the Kabbalah. If you ever want to research them, the one who really put it on the table to make it clear was Ravari Kaplan of Blessed Memory in his book, Inner Space. Okay, there you have these terms called Adam Kadmon, Arich, Abba Ve'ima, Atik, sorry, and Abba Ve'ima. These are very high, high terms in the Kabbalah. 
But what the idea is that from the initial stage of the revelation of Keter came other levels under, and because they emanate from this high level of Keter, they're considered to be nourished and pampered by the level of the Keter. So comes into play, the Zohar uses the first four explanations of the Midrash on Amon, meaning that now these newer levels of the Torah are being nurtured by the highest level. The Keter is nurturing the lower levels. So when it's saying Amon, it's the lower the other levels of the Torah which are going are taking effect in the creation as as the creation is is progressing and going further and further, let there be light the grass, the trees, the fish, the species, mankind, Shabbat, all the parts of the creation, and even before that, as the Arizal explains, the, the vacated space, the hollow space in the, in the infinite light, the ray, all these deep, deep, deep concepts, okay? Once the initial stage came in, so automatically, once Hashem opened up, using the blueprint of the Torah, which is the Pele, to open up for the creation. So automatically the lower levels of the Torah, which are being used for creation, are considered subordinate and under the initial stage. And they're considered to be called pampered under the first level. So the Zohar uses both explanations in one. Okay? That's just the Zohar and the Midrash. Comes Rabbeinu. I'm shaking. This is just so powerfully deep. It's crazy. We'll have to continue this in another class soon, I think comes Rabbeinu and throws in a new term, Emuna. The Midrash said Amon, right? Amon, 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 pedagogue, covered, hidden, great, okay? And all those were on the side, hidden, and waiting to be revealed. And then he said Uman, a craftsman. Comes Rabbeinu, and he introduces a third leg to the concept of Amon, Uman, and he introduces Emuna, the exact same letters. Aleph Mem Nun is the root of Amon, Uman, and Emuna. Okay? To say what? What is he doing here? He's saying something unbelievable. That the way you access the Pele, little you, little you, wherever you are, in Denver, in Timbuktu, in Alaska, in Seattle, in Hawaii, in Australia, in New Zealand, wherever you are, and whatever you're going through, all the upside down things, as you are, you can access the Pele in your life with Emuna. Amon Mufla. It can be read many ways. He says, Vegam Sham Tzarich Emuna. Even there. What does it mean, even there you need Emuna? Then even you are so farly removed from the Keter. You kind of begin to think about it. Look what I'm going through in my life. And you want me to connect to the Pele? And he says, you would, and any second in your life, and any concealment that you are going through, through emuna, you connect what you're going through to the Pele, and by doing so, use the scenario of your life as a stepping stone for something great. It's a famous idea that every situation sent to you, you can see it as, oh, just, you know, status quo, it's like regular, or you can see it as an opportunity for another breakthrough in life. It's up to you. Oh, it's up to you. How do you do that? How do you activate that? Amon. With the Amon, Emuna, you activate the Pele, the Pele Mufla, and thus, by doing that, you can use what you're going through as a preparation stage 
for what's called to structure and organize the mind and thus accessing you to be ready to receive the infinite light. Transforming your mundane situation that which like you were just eh, like nothing special about it. You can, if you want to, access it to be a gateway to the Pele. <laughs> Even though ultimately it's connected, everything's connected to the Pele. The Pele is like the blueprint of creation, the initial stage. Everything's rooted. Everything happening in 2024, 2025, another 10 years, everything was already res- as, 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 as digressed from, emanating from eventually, from the root of the, of the Pele, of the Keta, the initial Pele in the world, okay? But the thing is, for me to use what's happening and on my side as a recipient to be able to access it as a gateway for the blessing of the Keta to get to the infinite light. So I need Amun, Emunah. Now what does that mean? Now you need Emunah. The Emunah is to believe that what I'm going through, feeling out of it, feeling darkness, not, and feeling so unaccomplished in my life, believing that this is a preparation for something higher, and not just, ah, it's nothing, this can bring, bring me to the Pele. So we're translating Amon Mufla as stages. Amon, through the Emuna, you come to the Pele. And it's connected. It's Amon needed. Even in Keter, you need Emuna. And Emuna, Rav Nossin says, is something, the most accessible item. It's, it's hard to call it an item. The most accessible attribute in your life is Emuna. When you start off as a kid, you start off with Emuna, right? As a child, he knows nothing. So they teach him A, B, C, D. In the Jewish school, they teach him about Avram Avinu and the creation of the world. And he just accepts everything that's coming his way. There's no option. Like now the woke people, they want to give a child an option to decide. <laughs> Come on! Are you nuts? What is this? The, we, we, the only way for a person to grow is you inculcate with ideas and expect him to accept them with faith. To trust the teacher, to trust the mommy and the daddy that they know what they're doing and they're guiding you on the right path. So you start off with emuna, and every stage in life you go back to emuna, and even the final stage before a person leaves this world to the next world is also emuna. We say Shema Yisrael before a person leaves this world to remind them, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, that's all emuna there. That God... God is our Lord, God is one. All that is Emuna. That's the basis of Emuna. Everything closest to a person in life starts, and I'm sorry, the one thing that's closest to the person throughout life is this attribute of Emuna. And he's saying, Begam Sham, even in that high level, you need Emuna to access it. Even in your low level, you can connect to it. That's Amon Mufla, that even Emunah is needed here. This Emunah, which is so close to you, which has been with you since you were born as a child, and every stage of life you have to use Emunah to get to the next stage. You have to trust, if it's trusting people, trusting this, but in our context it's trusting Hashem, trusting the Torah, trusting the Tzadikim, that they're giving us the right guidelines, and that there's hope, where the Tzadikim tell us to keep on going, and to not interpret the situation like this, interpret it like that. That's Emunah, right? This Amuna builds up to bring the person to the Pele. So he's saying, Gam Sham Tzarich Emuna, as a statement that the way for you to access it is Emuna. Yes, even there, this high level which is so removed, okay, of Mesader Meyashev, who can get to that level to have a settled mind? How can I do that? He says, even there, to access it, you also need Emuna. 
We'll stop here because this was intense. With uh, the Shem, we'll try to continue next week with some more details, and we go up to the next section of the lesson. Of the Shem, we should be zoche to apply this, to receive the light of the Keter with emuna. Rav Nosson says that in the prayer, to have access to the Keter, which is the clarity of the mind, so clear that you see God. You reconnect to the beginning of creation. You have such a clarity that you can see you, you, your emuna now allows you to wait and the waiting you're able to settle your mind and the mind reaches such a high level, level of being settled and organized that you connect to the nothingness that existed at the beginning of creation where you see only God and that's accessible and that's needed in life you need to reconnect to that experience so that while you're back in your mundanity you at least live off the impression left afterwards because of that experience Thank you for joining, and please, again, don't forget to share this class that will be posted, audio, video, everything, Bezat Hashem. Thank you for joining. Shalom, shalom to everybody.